Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by assholeconsulting.com. Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. It is the Clary Podcast. How are you guys? We are in the uh, the Southern Command, to pull a phrase from Rush Limbaugh, uh, over in Vegas, staying with my buddy in Vegas. I'm here for the winter. Did you leave your poor girlfriend up in the cold? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. All you people in the Midwest with your loving of the seasons and the snow and frosty and oh my God, like, nope, nope. It is nice and warm here. Uh, and I haven't even availed myself of the, uh, of the weather. The old captain has been way too busy. Took three days to drive here, went down and dropped into Albuquerque, visited uh, Albuquerque Adam. And yes, that is a real person. There's Denver Ben, Major Ben, Albuquerque Adam, Sergeant Greg. The Justice League, starring Sergeant Greg, Aquaman, Denver Ben, Chaplin Dave, Apache Chief. You guys remember Apache Chief? Remember him? No, of course you don't, because none of you guys even know who Foghorn Leghorn is. Anyway... I drove here, took a little bit of a detour, and have not been able to avail myself of the otherwise perfect hiking weather. It's been taunting me and tempting me, and uh, unfortunately, it's just, I had I had a ton of work. I had a ton of asshole consulting to do, and then I had to uh, <clears throat> get some things situated here. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna bivouac for uh, two months, bivouac. Look that up. Bivouac uh, means to encamp. You gotta go. Oh, I gotta go get like some basics. I got. I gotta get another sweatshirt. the The blessing and the curse of Las Vegas is Las Vegas is genuinely open for twenty four seven, and it is a very libertarian town. So you are allowed to do whatever the hell you want. So you could get anything you want in the middle of the desert because of Americans, because of effing America. That's that's why you have Vegas. And so one of the things I truly do like, my buddy has very slow internet, so what I've had to do is go to, there's these 27-4 bar gambling halls slash restaurants, not the casinos. These are predominantly bars with a little bit of gambling, you know, like the video poker or whatever like that. But they have amazingly good food, served 24-7, 24-7, and they all got internet. Since my buddy internet sucks, I'm like, okay, I filmed a ton of videos today. Now I got to go over to this restaurant, bar, slash casino and upload the video. And what I love about them is uh, they, none of them have windows. They are just like casinos. They don't want you to know what time it is. They don't want you to know that maybe you should get back home to your wife and kids and go to church. They don't, they don't want you to do They want you to drink and gamble and eat. That's all they want. And all of them, now that I think about it, all of them have... A uh, adequate level of noise. Not not adequate, but they do not. They're not loud bars. These are not. They're almost lounges, is what they are. There's lounges, and they're all over the place. There's got to be at least three dozen of them, or three score of them out here. They're they're all over the place. 
Um, anyway, but as Vegas is libertarian and everything is, you are free to do what you want, there results in people smoking a lot of cigarettes. And so I go in uh, at very obscure times of the, uh, of the day, very obscure. I'm still on central time. I'm waking up at 5, 6 a.m., Sun ain't even out yet. I mean, no one's even out on the road. So I was like, ah, I'll go drive down to one of these places because it's open. They got food and they got internet and I'll do my internet work. And then when I walked in, it was pitch black. When I walk out, there's the sun. It's the morning. Like, oh, hey. Uh, but I've been sleeping. My sleep schedule has been like an old man. I'm going to bed at like nine, waking up at five. What the hell? Same thing with my buddy. He's from Florida, but he, he travels in between. He's always on Florida time. So he's waking up at four. Going to bed at eight, and uh, we—it's kind of like old man because we're not into the Vegas thing. We're not like, ah, no, we don't want to go to the casino. We don't want to gamble. We don't want to booze. We don't want to go to a show. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's warm. It's warm here, and there's no snow. So when you go into these places, usually there's always somebody smoking. So your clothes, especially since I travel very light, uh, your clothes start to get stinky. They get that bar smell. And, and you don't want to be that guy. You all knew the guy that he'd sit next to you because you could tell he always went to the bar. Maybe he or she smoked themselves. You know, they're just smoking all the time. They got that stench, that bar cigarette stench. And I'm, I'm kind of smelling. I'm like, what is it? I'm like, oh, yeah, my jeans. I haven't changed those. And I haven't switched jeans in about five days. <laughs> so I got this. And now it's the same thing with the sweatshirt. I only have one sweatshirt. So now I got to go get another sweatshirt so you can cycle them out because it's not warm enough not to be without a sweatshirt. I had one sweatshirt. Ah, what do you know? Ah, I just need one sweatshirt. Well, yeah, but then it's got to be washed. You got to cycle it out. So I do. I do have two pairs of jeans, ton of undies and socks. That's the key to travel, boys and girls: undies and socks. Uh, but then, yeah, I got to get another sweatshirt because this thing stinks to high hell. Maybe I'll just go wash it. And yeah, you know what? The old captain's gonna. You know what the captain's gonna do? We're gonna do an old school college trick. I'm just gonna go into the bathroom. I'm gonna wash it up with some regular Dawn soap. Throw it in the dryer or put it out in the you know the, the Las Vegas desert sun. Then it won't have that stench no more. Hang on. Yeah, it's got that stench. God darn it. You know what? Maybe, you know, hang on. I'm going to pause. I actually am going to have this soak. <laughs> I'm just going to wait. It's too nasty. All right. That's already in the dryer taken care of. But yes, there's been many logistical issues here. Getting to the Southern Command. And uh, through some... Logistical genius work. I ended up being able to bring down an extra bed, a bunch of clothes, and my dad's old golf. The golf the golf clubs that are older than me. My old man's like, ah, I'm not golfing anymore. Here, take these clubs. I'm looking at these clubs. I'm like, holy cow. I remember these when I was like three. You still have the wood, uh, wood uh, drivers, wood, wood uh, uh, golf clubs. Uh, some of them were irons. I'm like, okay, I'll take those. Cause I'm not, I'm not gonna do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those wood drivers have value. I don't know. But I was just like, holy cow, these are ancient. But hey, free golf clubs. And at my fine level of playing golf, never thought I'd play golf in a million years. I thought it was like, ah, scam. Yeah, Tried it once, became very frustrated. But now, now that I'm looking for calmness, now that I'm looking for serenity, uh, I still think it's kind of a pansy sport. I do it more for meditation. I don't dare say it's a sport. It's not. It's not a sport. It's a skill, but it ain't a sport. Uh, but it is meditative for me because I can go out during the daytime with all the old timers. And <clears throat> Usually if you go to a crappy golf course, those are the best. Ain't nobody out there playing them. I don't care as long as there's a hole at some end. I mean, I don't care if the, the, the greens are brown. I <laughs> Fine. I, get me out of here. 
And I learned that the ball is your friend. You're not to be angry at the ball. You're to, you are to, you and the ball are going to work as a team to get it in the hole. That's how golf works. So you don't hate the ball. You don't want to hurt the ball. You want to gently suggest the ball go down a certain way. And it typically does if you don't get angry at it. Anyway, so it is the Clary Podcast. Not much going on. I do apologize for the lack of uh, video. It's been busy, though. It's been busy. I've, I've just had to basically settle in. And then asshole consulting, I got slammed. I got slammed. And uh, and it's tax season. Had to do taxes. And all I did was organize my receipts yet. Now I have to enter it into the spreadsheet. And, oh, everybody makes fun of me. Oh, do you do you have, like, an accounting system? Do you have, like, a Intuit or... Or Peachtree or some kind of a toy account edits or what's it? QuickBooks. No, I don't do QuickBooks. I don't, you don't need to. You don't need to. All you have to do is save your receipts, save your credit card statements, and save your checks, what handful of those you check, you, know, you, you uh, write out. And then when it comes January 1st of the next year, you take all your receipts, you organize them into little piles. I got a shoebox, big shoebox. Put them in piles. And I go looking in and I get the Excel spreadsheet. has the same expenses it always had for every year of taxes going back 12, 13 years ago. And then I enter in the, the thing. And then you add it up at the bottom. And then it's pretty logical where you put it on your Schedule C. Uh, that would be the, the company income statement uh, for those of you unfamiliar with tax returns. Not that hard. It's like changing oil. You should be able to change your oil, change a tire, and more or less do your own taxes, unless you got complicated stuff. But hey, that's all right. That's right, Chad Elkins and uh, me and everybody else who used, you know, you guys, oh, I need someone to do my taxes because you don't want to drop the $15 on TurboTax or whatever. Fine, fine. We'll do it. Although it is wise, I'll tell you this, it is wise to have a CPA at least take a look at your taxes once. Even if it costs you $100 or $200 to have them do it or her do it, uh, because they'll usually find, usually, Heck, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time where it's like, well, I paid you 200 bucks and all you did was save me 50. They'll usually save you multiples of what what they're paying or what you're paying them. So it is worthwhile to pay them to uh, to at least give it the once over one time. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it's just been too. I haven't even done any fun. No fun. Got my other motorcycle down here. I got the setup. I got the setup. I was like, I can't wait to get south and get out of the cold. And all I've done has been doing work since I got here. Oh, so, all right, uh, let's do some fan mail real quick. This has been building up uh, for Matt. Matt writes, the latest podcast was good. I wanted to expand upon some of your rant. The article about late pregnancy conspicuously avoided a very important point. After living with a nurse midwife with a master's for many years, I picked up a number of things. Prima gravita, or first pregnancy was not mentioned in the article and is a very important point. I don't even know what article we're talking about here now. Our first pregnancy. Oh, is this where they were telling women that they could be pregnant until they're 327 years old? Um, a first pregnancy after 35 is considered very high risk. A last pregnancy for someone who has already born children is lower risk, but still higher statistically than at a younger age. A first pregnancy to term causes huge changes in a woman's body. Subsequent pregnancies cause fewer changes. What does this mean in terms of the article? They hid the concept of a mother who was already raising children, having another child, and implied that a strong, independent woman fish bicycle trademark could have a high-power career 
and then have uh, A as a singular and only child after 15. Uh, 35. Lots of lies by omissions. Matt. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, there was a, some article, or was it a YouTube? This gal was all of it. She was a photographer. I'm a photographer, meaning lazy person. She was in New York, and her and her boyfriend, they're just too busy. We don't have the money now. And she paid, I don't know, $9,000 to have her eggs frozen so that when she's ready... Don't, don't you ever look at, like, old people? Don't you see how they don't have the energy? I know there's biological arguments, you know, uh, not to mention natural arguments. Okay, technically boys and girls hit puberty at 12 or 13, so technically you should have kids then. That's not when you should have kids. Uh, but you're most fertile in your, your late teens and early 20s, I guess. Men, I guess, could go forever, you know, although they're talking about dusty sperm, but we're not going to worry about that now. <clears throat> But they don't tell you like, oh yeah, by the way, you got a lot of energy when you're in your 20s. So you can actually take care of the kids. You can raise them. And I look at, you know, I, I mentioned it before, the podcast that was deleted because it was too angry, way too angry. Um, they managed to raise three, three successful children. Uh, and now that they're raising, okay, two successful children. The, the Now they're raising the one not successful child's child. Uh, because he is insisting on being a bastard. Or no, wait, he's insisting on making his son be a bastard because he doesn't want to come back and raise his own kids. So anyway, it's the grandparents. They're defeated. These were happy elderly people who were still having sex. These are the cool, this is what you're hoping to aim for. When like, yeah, when I hit 70, I want to be like that couple. I want to be them. Oh, no, no. Now when I go visit them, they're all drawn and defeated and they don't even they can't even I don't think you have the energy when you're when you're a grandma I don't know black community tell me what it's like ladies when you're a grandmother and raising your kids children do you have the energy I <laughs> Ooh, that was harsh and accurate um, but no on a more serious level for those of you people regardless of race that you drop your kid off with the grandparents do, do you think they got the energy at, at 50 or 60 let alone 70 you don't have the energy at 70 Good Christ. And that's the other thing. I, I wonder if these gals... I have never seen such a level of what I would say is confident, unempirical, no, arrogant. Let, let me rephrase it. I don't think I've ever seen such convicted conviction, like, like adamant, ignorant, arrogant confidence in any group of people than young American women. I, I, I know it's like, oh, we're going to slam on American women again? It's because you guys are out of line. No one's perfect. Everybody's got that. I understand that. But this delusion, I've, I've never seen it where at such a young age you think you know everything and then you make life, permanent life decisions based on a completely inadequate number of years on this planet, a complete deficit of wisdom, and not to mention the the diet that you've been fed, your brain has been fed, has been nothing but rank propaganda and lies to get you to part with your money or vote a certain way or major in something stupid and, and, and debt yourself. And yet these the 
supreme level of confidence that comes with these are like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to have kids when I'm 50. I'm going to freeze my eggs. It's like, how many eggs are you giving up? That, that, that doesn't, just because they're frozen doesn't mean that you, you need, don't you need several? This in vitro fertilization doesn't always work. That's why they also all of a sudden, oh, it really works and then you got octuplets. And here you girls are, you're, you're barely 30. Your, your entire pubescent life, not when you were a kid, but your entire pubescent life, you've been lied to by guys that either want to screw you, a.k.a. Bill Burnett, he wants to, paraphrasing the non-cursed version of what he said, uh, and then every other entity out there, government, media, corporations, schools, academia, lying to you, telling you what you want to hear, and you, you just go like, oh, I'm going to freeze my eggs. Then I'll have a kid when I'm 50. Will you be able to raise the kid? Does your, do you think your husband at the time is going to want to have kids when he's 55? Oh, me and my buddy I'm hanging with. It's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I, no, I'm not going out. No, no, I am not going out. No, I'm going to bed. No, good night. And uh, I still have the energy to go hike and explore and adventure and motorcycle. But man, I see these kids. Oh, and they're not even my kids. And they're so draining and taxing. Draining and taxing mentally. Uh, and the the parents, all of them, all of them. And these are the young ones. They're haggard. They're haggard. They don't have the energy to... To, well, they, they have to, and they're always sick. Everybody's sick. The immunodeficiency, immune, immune systems are down. And, and here, here are these precious New York photographer, liberal arts, humanities, artists type of, you know, faux professionals. And they're going to postpone it because they're, they're, they're like, uh, yeah, well, when you're 55, you already have a kid. You are not going to have the end. But thank God for outsourcing, right? Thank God for that. Thank God for daycare. You won't actually have to raise your own child. Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm foolishly exposing my heart and unconsciously exposing my heart. I'm operating from the false and foolish premises that you would actually raise your own kids because you love them. When I know if you're willing to store eggs, then you're probably going to outsource the kid to daycare because you love your career and yourself more than the kid. We've been down it before. But man, I... If I had the time, and I probably do, I just choose not to, I probably could reverse engineer the formula as to women's obsession with postponing birth, like the idea that they can birth a child no matter what. It, it doesn't add up, it doesn't make any sense genetically, biologically, or evolutionarily how they completely bought whole the career and forget the family and forget the... I mean, I, I, I'm kind of... Like, that doesn't have any historical genetic origin or, or cause or reason or logic. Having kids does. But I may... And maybe it's just a masterful... Uh, or a testament to the masterful propaganda job that they got girls to, like, just completely ignore their genetic biological drives... Not to mention men, but men are just like, we're going to go bang girls no matter what. Um, and, and and not to think that went through. Just how, how do you... And I guess it's I guess that ignorance and naivete, I, I, I'm kind of... Th- I, I don't understand it. I can see it. But then again, I got an IQ of about 137, 138, 141 on a good day. These are normies. These they, Maybe they're easily brainwashed. 
Never understood how people could be brainwashed. I never understood. I always knew teachers were evil. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I knew the adults were evil. I knew the teachers were evil. I knew they were lying to us. But I guess that can't be said for everybody else. Just fell right in line. They all fell right in line. And you guys, if, if you're not slaughtered now, you're in the process of getting slaughtered, following these people's advice. And if you think you're great, just wait till you're 55 and you want to have your first kid and there's complications. Are you going to have to find a surrogate mother? Oh gosh, the money and the time and the, the, the screwed upness. Now, have you ever asked your husband, hey, do, at 55, do you want to be raising little little red uh, ransom of red chief there? That's a book. Look it up. It's probably deemed racist right now, but it's not. So. All right. Hang on. Let's grab another article here. Oh, come on. Really? When two pieces of paper decide to stick together. Here we go. First story is in a Wall Street Journal might be paywall about a woman who wrote the second story. Although presented as a story on the rural-urban divide, I think it's more of a story of a high IQ being penalized. Speaking of which, thanks so much for your book. All I can say is I wish I was around when I was... I wish it was around when I was 10 instead of 40. Please give the curse of the high IQ out to any smart kid you could find. It will at least explain the world of hurt they are in for. Keep up your good work. Kevin, well, thank you, Kevin. What is this? Uh, oh, this is that article... In a divided nation of big cities and small towns, Katie Concrite, Con, Con, Cronkite. Was this? Yeah, I think the great one looked her up. Hang on, let me look her up. Give me a second here. Okay, here we are. Found her, Catlin Concrite. By day, she is an employed English major. Oops, come on. Writer, feminist, environmentalist, cat person, boss bitch, and farmed a metropolis transplant from the Midwest to the West Coast. And not not unique, very common. I, what did I talk to you about the the brainwashing? How I'm I mean, it, this is a perfect example. Let me go back. Did I did I lose it? Here we go. Writer, feminist, environmentalist, cat person, boss bitch, and farmed a metropolis plant tra- transplant from the Midwest to the West Coast. Very few people are following her. I'm not I'm not going to delve into her work because it's not work. There's nothing intelligent here to be said because. She is the epitome of conformity. She is a conformy, a normie conformy. Just did exactly what they were saying. Uh, by day, she's an employed English major who works as a writer in tech. By night, she enjoys writing essays, bodybuilding. Doesn't show it. Volunteering as a writing tutor, off-roading in her Jeep Wrangler, finding the best happy hour in town, and making radical feminism cool again. <laughs> I think she was talking about how It's better to be in the city or whatever, and then it was so badly written. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh, here it is. In a nation divided, Katie Cronkite thought she knew where she belonged. She graduated from high school early to chase the opportunity far from Kingman, Indiana. A decade later, she starts to see what she left behind. Yeah, it's behind a paywall. <clears throat> that was too late. A decade later, it's too late. You, you're, you're hitting the wall now, and I'm pretty liberal with the wall. I think women could be attractive well into their 40s, but you got to work at it. But uh, most, no, no, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do that. All right, what else? Oh, that's Kevin. Anything else here? No, that's a to-do list. What is this? That's a, that's a... 
Well, this is these are notes to another book I want to write, but I don't want to write on that's a to-do list. It's another to-do list. What we got here? Oh, these are the notes from my conserva thought trad thought. So okay, I can throw that away. So uh, let's go online and add other fan mail. Oh, this is a nice one. Uh, to the cool uncle I never had. This comes from Nick over in the United Kingdom across the pond. Aaron, you changed and saved... The cool uncle I never had. Aaron, you changed and saved my life. I was the classic bullshitted millennial snowflake wondering why no one would take me seriously, getting depressed, pathetic, and hopeless since discovering your YouTube channel and buying the book Worthless, My Life Has Changed. Outstanding. Outstanding. It's called Mutually Beneficial. I make a little bit of money and you save a shit, a bleep ton of money. You have no idea how much that means to me. Not not because I like. I'm glad that your life is going better, way better than it would have. I also love the fact that I denied liberal arts majors. Like I honestly think worthless and my little internet presence, small as it might be, I've at least caused academia millions of dollars in lost tuition. I've cost the liberal arts and humanities and leftist professors millions. It, academia, when I went to college, it did cost me my life. It did. There were some things that if I just had a little bit of a nudge this way, or some context, that was the hugest thing. If I just had context given to me. So, I mean, no, this isn't going to happen. That's not going to happen. This is how the real, if I just had that. But no, we were, we were, we were lied to, lied to. And a few people at the Carlson School of Management, you, I'll take the video down where I warn your the students not to attend, which is the number one video. <laughs> you, you created your Frankenstein. You did. <clears throat> If you want to apologize, I want, a, I want an apology letter about how much you freaking lied to everybody about the employment prospects at that piece of crap state school. But this, this is, and so I am happy. I am happy to cost academia the millions of dollars that I've costed. Not to mention saved, what, millennium of life, millennia, millennia of lives, thousands of years of worth of lives. Not going, you know, wasting their time in academia or worthless careers. <clears throat> You'd be pleased to know that I watch your economics videos too and have converted from left, from left to right wing as a result. It all makes sense now. Imagine that. Imagine that. Just other people's money and reasons and love and feelings and vagina. Yay! At 18, I was insecure as all hell, watching my contemporaries go to university, following their dreams, their goals seemingly easily in reach, whilst mine were not. I'm a musician with the same grand scheme as any other musician. We'll talk to Matt Baldoni. I was very skeptical about going to university for music, so I didn't. Smart man. Smart. I started busking guitar and gigging local pubs for chump change. I live in the middle of nowhere, so took the bus to the nearest town. Age 19, I started a business teaching drums from my room in my parents' house, with just one student. I was so very insecure about everything, had no money, no social life, thinking about sacking it and, <clears throat> and doing a computer tech-related degree. This was when I discovered a YouTube channel. This was when you confirmed everything for me. Suddenly I realized, wow, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, you are. You are. You're teaching. Dude, how many 19-year-olds are teaching? You know, on their own gig. And you're still doing music. It's going to take you a while to build up uh, uh, some clientele, but you're doing it. You're working in the field. And you didn't go anywhere near in debt. Uh, this is what I I'm 21 years old now with six weekly students at uh, 1750 pounds per hour. That's 34-ish. What's the exchange rate nowadays? Isn't it roughly two to one? 
That's a handsome wage. That's a handsome wage for a 21-year-old. That's a damn good wage. This Christmas, a social life has started to creep in, as well as dating girls. Not much, not have much of luck so far, apart from a super hot fuck buddy and my dad's and my dad's boss's daughter. Oh, you sly dog! You're banging your dad's boss's daughter. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is great. Which is awesome, but I want to prop. I want a proper girlfriend eventually. Well, what's wrong with her? It's, oh man, that's awesome. She's too young to be a proper girlfriend, but of legal age. What are you? You're not fifty-eight. You're twenty-one. So what? So I'm all good here. I'm working out four times a week and buying a cheap SUV that looks expensive next week. I think that will help on the girlfriend front. No, no, no. Okay, here's where you, get bachelor pad economics. The next book you're going to get is bachelor pad economics. Girls who go after guys for the cars, they all know which cars are rich. They, they know. They know. They know fashion. They know which handbags are the thing. And they damn well know the difference between a 2007 Mercedes and a 2017 Mercedes, even though to me, they look the exact same. Those girls know, like auto mechanics, what the hottest, highest-end Range Rover is or Mercedes or Bentley or whatever. So don't <clears> – <throat> I mean, yeah, if you, got a good, if you got a good deal on the SUV, fine. But – no, the girls that are going to like you for your your car, and it's not. I've never, I've never had a nice car. I've never had a nice car. I had an all right one. I had a Ford Extra Plastic EXP. That was kind of a, a sporty little thing, and that that did look all right. Um, but it was uh, mechanics nightmare. It was horrible. Um, cost a lot to to repair and all that. I know when people that blew them up with dynamite. They hated those things so much. I don't blame them. Um, I've never, yeah. First car was a 73 Dodge, then the Ford Extra Plastic, <clears throat> then I got a 85 Cutlass Supreme, a 90 Chevy Caprice Classic. Now keep in mind, these this is in the 2000s. This isn't like, oh, I got it in 1986, I got an 85. No, I think it was, I drove the Gutless Cutlass. <clears throat> yeah, easily, easily in the aughts. Yeah, I did have it in the aughts. Oh, I take that back. I take that back. I did buy myself... A convertible, convertible uh, Chevy Capri, no, um, Mercury Capri. It's a chick car, but I didn't know it. Girls knew it, but it was a fun little zip car. That thing was a fun little two-seater. So I did, I did have it, but it wasn't very fancy. I only paid 6000 for it, uh, which I think is the most I've ever paid for a car, period. But it was when I was graduating. I'm like, I deserve this, and I had the cash because I'm like, I totally deserve it. Fun little car, fun little car. But outside of that, I had the, the 2006 Kia Rio. 1997 Grand Prix when the real that was in 2012. I had a 1997 Grand Prix leak oil and leak coolant. Although the bank I was working for, they were dumber than f. Uh, they didn't decide to spend the money on bandwidth or email attachment capacity, so we actually had to move the physical files from all these different towns in Wyoming, and you'd be reimbursed at 58 cents a mile. I actually made about 2,000 bucks being reimbursed for gas on that thing. <laughs> Yep, 300 miles. Give, give, give me my 150 bucks, you idiots. Oh, we can't spend the money on attachment capacity. Again, classic example of gray-haired baby boomer apps. Not Just because they got gray hair doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Matter of fact, it's almost a guarantee they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, can you carry these files over to the next? Yeah, yeah, I can, Mr. Bleepity Bleep. You throw, I'll, I'll, I'll go light a cigar and take the three-hour drive. Absolutely. 
give me some give me some oil so I don't run out. <clears throat> and I'm a cut above other DJs in a local area. Oh wait, the SUV be also used for a mobile disco business I'm launching in February. All right, good. So you can write this off. I've had a few gigs so far. I'm a cut above other DJs in my local area. That's not a subjective opinion. I've seen about ten. And I have more lights and better speakers. I also know a lot about what music people want to hear. There you go. There you go. This is how it starts, dude. All of a sudden you're making it. And all of a sudden you're in Vegas. You paid a million dollars. You know, DJ UK Yuck and his yuckety use. Uh, charging similar prices to others. 500 pounds a night? A few have even said I could charge. Dude, you are making great money. That is awesome. I mean, don't think it's going to last forever, but that is outstanding. And you're learning about entrepreneurship, a little bit about accounting so you can file your taxes. I'm proud of who I've become with your advice. Or I'll, I'll review Worthless on Amazon shortly, but wanted to personally thank you from a guy who almost lost his way. Big love. Uh, if you want to say, please edit out some of the more personal bits. All right. Well, I, I did. So, But thank you very much. I'm going to print that off, and that will go into the... Uh, box of mementos. Uh, hang on. Is this someone different? Uh, hi, Aaron. I clicked your link for DT's podcast the other day and really enjoyed it. I was listening to DT's, DT's podcast today and it really bummed me out that he's hanging it up and I was just getting into it. Well, he's still got his archive up there. I haven't listened to that episode yet. I was busy driving. I just wanted to take the time to let you know you have a huge fan. You have a huge fan of me and have had a positive impact on me. My life would probably be completely different. I had not come across you. Before I found you, I was feeling a lot of pressure to have kids, even though, like you, I vividly remember being poor and never felt comfortable with kids. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't go away. Everyone's like, hey, I'm like, I could see it. I could see, yeah, the only real thing is to have kids. But if, like, it, it was, that that was not fun in college. And if you're you're dropping down to 118 pounds... You don't know where your next meal is coming from. That is genetically beaten out of you to not have kids. You're like, nah, I like food. I like sleep. I like health insurance and car insurance. Uh, I was brainwashed and stuck in the materialistic consumerism trap, buying expensive sports cars I couldn't afford to impress girls. That's number. Just like I told the other guy, you don't buy cars to impress girls. Since finding you, I've realized it's okay to not want to have kids. I have embraced minimalism and no longer spend my money on stupid stuff such as sports cars. I got married one year ago to a wonderful woman. She would score excellent on the Clary Relationship Test. Together, we are well on our way to escaping the rat race and enjoying financial independence before we turn 40. Awesome. I owe you a huge thanks for pointing me in the right direction and helping me to realize that people, not stuff, is the most important thing in life. I love listening to your podcast while running or driving to work. I have read most of your books, and they made a big difference in my life. My wife and I enjoy your YouTube videos. That's pretty cool if your wife enjoys it, especially as, as harsh as I come off. I can see why gals don't like it. Please keep up the hard work and know that you are doing good things and make a difference. Take care, Nick. And he sent a nice picture. Uh, and she's a, he's got a real cute wife. Um, yeah, where are you guys hiking? Oh, I almost want to say I could figure out where you guys are hiking. But it's good to see you guys are out there hiking. Well, thank you very much, Nick. That will also go into the memento box. So, you know, I'll just put that in the archive. We'll take that there. Uh, let's do that. Put it in the archive. Um, 
you know what? Let's do an a-hole consulting video. Do I want to do one now? Nah, I can't do this. See, that's, uh, I was kind of hoping I could do an a-hole consulting video and then I'd just save myself some time. All right, I think that's it for the for the fan mail. I think that's it for the fan mail. Let's do some news. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Ew, new. There's there's costs and consequences, boys and girls. Almost as if there's this universal equilibrium that no action goes without an equal and opposite reaction. From CBS News, <clears throat> why American women are dying younger. I didn't think they were dying younger. I thought they just weren't, the life expectancy wasn't going up as fast. Like the, the life expectancy. I know you girls complain about the wage gap, but we'll gladly take the life expectancy gap. <laughs> that right there is precious. That right there is the end all be all, end all. Like, no, you're not oppressed. Matter of fact, you're pampered and spoiled. Shut up. When when we get to live that extra 10 years, all right, then, then we'll worry about the wage. But right now, that's why we get to make more money. We burn ourselves out quicker. American women may, may be making strides in shattering the glass ceiling of the executive office and making it clear that sexual harassment is not okay. But in one very significant, perhaps the most important aspect of their lives, they're falling short, according to a report by the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. All right, now already I'm suspicious of this. <clears throat> I would go to the Center for Disease Control. I uh, And I don't trust academia. But this is one bit of data. This is a data point that maybe we can, we can heed or let's just tuck it away. Life expectancy for women in the United States has stalled, leaving American females at the bottom of the list of the wealthiest nations. Uh, while U.S. life expectancy is now the lowest among high-income nations, the discrepancy is especially stark for women, said the CRR. In 1960, American women were likely to be among the longest-living females in the world, but that trend reversed itself in the 1980s, and today their life expectancy lags two and a half years behind women in other developed nations. The CRR had another surprising finding. Even though women have had and still do have longer lifespans than men, because men are sexist, that gap is narrowing. It's now only four to five years compared to the nine or ten years from previous generations. U.S. lifespan overall is not thriving compared to countries such as Canada, France, and Japan. Well, why did you pick those three? Uh, data from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, a world trade group, shows that the U.S. has regressed from having the third highest life expectancy in 1960 to the bottom of the list in 2016. Well, is that just first world countries catching up to us? I'm, I'm trying to be honest. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that is. But the CRR claimed the decline is largely a women's story, although men have started to slip in recent years. The CRR looked at retirement age Americans and based its study on the life expectancy span from the age 65 on. But the factors that, bo that make both men and women, but particularly women, die younger than they should are already in place when they were in their 30s and 40s. I'm going to wonder what it is. I'm going to wonder what they're going to say it is. And despite the ongoing criticism, or maybe they'll just avoid it. Maybe they won't say why. Because <clears throat> we care about the women's. We're not going to tell you how to increase your life expectancy. We're just going to say it's going down. Long as we don't hurt your feelings, because feels is more important than an extra 10 years of life expectancy. I just feel 
And despite the ongoing criticism of the U.S. healthcare system relative to socialized medicine in other developed countries, this nation's erratic health care doesn't seem to be a significant factor. According to the CRR, these differences probably have had little impact, it said. Instead, the study indicated that the fault lies within ourselves. The CRR said diseases associated with smoking and obesity, such as lung cancer and the diabetes, have contributed to the decline in women's lifespans relative to other countries. It doesn't matter. Beauty has no weight. There was a girl that went out and she tweeted, beauty has no weight, and she has 329,000 Twitter followers, and that thing got retweeted and, and just adored with adulation and praise. Uh, by 30,000. It, it, it is clear, it is clear, sir or ma'am, who is writing this article for CBS News, that you do not understand, that you cannot tell women the truth. You must tell them lies. That is, their beauty has, don't you bring up obesity and the diabetes. Don't you bring that up. Diabetes is beautiful. Uh... If U.S. patterns had matched those of its peers' countries, U.S. life expectancy would have exceeded the average until very recently. The CRR said the life expectancy gap between the United States and other countries was surprising, given that we spend more money on health care than any other nation in the world. Well, we spend a lot more money on, on free health care. We, we, we have our, we have the government. We have a nonprofit. We, have, we essentially have socialized medicine now, and then we have the private sector, which is not that efficient when it comes to health insurance. Where the U.S. fails is in obesity, which causes stroke and lung cancer, which is often caused by smoking. U.S. women were found to have smoked a lot, while death rates from respiratory diseases fell short of those in order in other countries for men. They actually increased for women. Smoking has recently decreased for both sexes, but residual effects of those who smoked in the past will be felt for years to come. Each additional cigarette smoked by a woman per day reduced her life by almost 25 years later. Wait, Four months, 25 years later. In the 1980s, the U.S. females smoked 2.4 more cigarettes per day than women in many other countries. By 2005, their lives were shortened by eight months. In contrast, men's cigarette consumption almost equaled the norm for comparable nations, so it shortened their lives by only six months. Even though smoking in the United States is on decline, obesity or being overweight is expanding with our waistlines. For each obesity, for obesity each 1% point increase in the percentage of women considered obese reduces life expectancy by slightly more than half a month. Obesity is defined as being grossly overweight. A five foot four inch obese woman would weigh in at about 175 pounds a month. Oh, that's got to be grossly obese. Five four, 175 pounds. Wow, are you being generous there? The U.S. is now a plus size nation. Blah blah blah. Some studies show that I'm skipping ahead. Some studies show that low-income workers, often women holding down more than one job and trying to raise a family, may hi- suffer higher rates of mortality. Those who can afford leisure time, as well as a gym membership. Well, you girls keep you can you can you can do it all. Fish bicycle don't need no man. You go girl, Moxie trademark. You don't need a man. You need a a sperm donor and government checks. You don't need to hit the gym. How dare they tell you to hit the gym? Don't they know that big is beautiful? The CR's conclusion today, being overweight is the greatest enemy, especially for women. Well, that's not popular. Where's the... Oh, they don't, they don't have comment section. Oh, how cowardly of you guys. You didn't allow for a comment section. I would have been really curious to see if working a lot more, going to school and having those... Uh, Problems might 
suffer a little bit. All right, what else we got? Uh, okay, found it. Oregon. Some of you may have heard this already. So Oregon passed this law that, I don't know. Beforehand, you could only have professional gas station pumpers, attendees, pump your gas. You couldn't just pump your own gas because, again, Oregon is filled with a bunch of pansified pussy men. You have nanny state tyrants running the place over there, and you you just can't pump your gas. Uh, From the Los Angeles Times, written by Matt Pierce. Pumping gas, it's simple, right? You drive up to the gas station, you get out, you pick regular or premium, you squeeze the handle, and then you leave, ideally after paying. To most American adults, it's as familiar of a ritual as getting out of bed. Not to Oregonians. For decades, they have been banned by state law for pumping their own fuel at gas stations. A throwback to the days when it was universal for gas station attendants to fill Americans' tanks. Well, now you get to pay more for your gas, I guess, Oregon. Today, Oregon is one of only two states, New Jersey is the other, where gas station employees are generally required to do the pumping. But this week, a new state law went into effect that carved out a broader exception for counties with fewer than 40,000 residents. Let's stop here. You want to know why I hate government and why I hate government employees and politicians, particularly of the leftist stripe, but <clears throat> why for counties with fewer than 40,000 residents? What? How, how did that come about? How did you guys come up with that when debating that over in your legislature there over in Oregon, huh? Why didn't you just, didn't you realize this was a stupid law? Like, yeah, you can pump your own gas. If gas stations want to offer it, but no, in Portland, oh, it's got more than 40,000 residents, so no, you can't pump your own gas. Like, how did you come upon 40,000? What what utter un- contemptible pussies are you, are you people in Oregon? You can't pump your freaking gas. And then this unnecessarily complicated, well, if you have 40,000 residents or less in your county, then you could you have the option. It's like, why don't you just... It, Minnesota, God Almighty, took them 20 years to get them to say, hey, maybe maybe we should let the private sector determine if they, you couldn't sell booze, you couldn't sell cars on Sundays. Well, because good Minnesota socialists, they just know so much better, and you shouldn't do that. It's like, excuse me, is this not a private entity? This is a private company. What if somebody wants to buy a car on Sunday? What if somebody wants to booze on Sunday? And this consumed an unacceptable, a tragic a mockingly, st- galactically stupid amount of time, calories, and energy of conversation and debate. It's like, hey, it ain't your business. Let them stay open on Sunday. Well, what if people buy less on Saturday? I guess they buy less on Saturday. Why is this the government's business? And for you guys to come in there, oh, you got to have 40,000 residents or less. Like, what liberal arts doctorate who never set foot in the real world who went straight from academia to politics at the crappy state level came up with that idea what worthless pathetic excuse of a human being came up with that idea i mean they're going in the right direction but it just it it highlights it belies how stupid these people are Now, drivers in those counties can pump their own gas without having to go through the ritual of waiting for an attendant to come to their vehicles to take the fuel orders. The new rule comes three years after the state allowed people in those same rural counties to pump gas between 6 p.m. and 6 (laughs) a.m. Jesus. 
Is this like you let people have like later and later bedtime? Like the little seven-year-olds, hey, you got to go to bed at eight. Oh, now you're nine. Now you could go to bed at, at, at nine. Oh, are you 10? You could go to bed at 9.30. To reduce the chances of getting stuck at gas stations without employees on duty overnight. So let's be real. In the grand scheme of things, this small rule change that doesn't affect a huge number of people. And yet, in the ever grander scheme of things, in the funhouse mirror realm of social media and viral news, the law has ignited mockery and indignation over the mere idea of Ornogonians attempting to transfer gasoline into the gas-powered conveyances. conveyances. First came the cherry-picked reaction from a handful of Oregonians, which went viral for their sheer naivete. Quote, do you think Oregon should allow self-serve gas stations statewide? A Medford television station asked its followers on Facebook. Quote, no, I don't even know how to pump gas, and I'm, 60, I'm a 62-year-old na- native Oregonian. One Facebook user wrote back, I say no thanks, I don't want to smell like gasoline. More than a thousand other users liked that comment. Then came jokes from non-Oregonians, yes, called the dolts, called those of us with peni. Live shot of Oregon residents attempting to pump their own gas, wrote one Twitter user, posting a gift from the movie Zoolander, in which carefree male models begin hosing each other down with extremely flammable fuel. Day two of Oregon pumping its own gas, another Twitter user wrote another Twitter user posting the same gif. Then came the backlash from the Oregonians. No, you, you don't get the backlash. You don't. You should feel shame. You should just feel shame for the pathetic. I mean, we all anybody who knows anything about Oregon and especially Portland, we all know you're pretty pathetic. We know that you are not as intelligent, not as masculine, not as feminine. Not as productive. You're you're a really you're you're really pathetic. You're a really sad group of people, right? We're not talking the 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 people who you know like Washington State. It's Portland and Seattle. You people suck. And then you go to the east side of the state. Okay, then you get some manly men. You get the the uh, oh what's it called the uh, lumberjacks and all that. But you guys do not have the right to say anything. Just shut up. Just shut the f up. Drink your little espresso, wear your freaking Where's Waldo's hats and your skinny jeans, and just shut the F up. You're not going to win. This is so sad and pathetic. This is another reason I'm so glad I never thought, I never wanted to go to Portland. Never. I was kicking around Seattle. That was big in the 90s. Uh, but I never wanted to go to Portland. And this just convinces me that there's there's no godly reason to start a company in Portland. Never go to Portland. Don't go to Oregon. Just don't go to Oregon. Oregon has become a laughing stock over the last couple of days because, according to many of the out-of-state news organizations, we are unwilling or incapable of pumping our own gas, said one OregonLive.com story published Friday, which compiled a list of all the rude things. Oh, your feelings were hurt. All the rude things people have said about Oregon since the new gas law and went into effect. I know you're not supposed to have any shame, right? We're shaming. Are we victim-blaming? Are we getting micro-aggressed? As of Friday afternoon, it was the most read news story on the website. Quote, the internet wouldn't be what it is today if it didn't offer every person with a phone or computer a chance to weigh in, the story added. And they did. Yeah. So it's very democratic. Now you know. It's like, uh, what was it? The Chevy Cruze commercial for millennials, but it was hijacked by uh, by this guy who mocks and ridicules it. It's like, is this what everybody thinks of millennials? Yes. Yes. This is what people think of you. You should feel shame. You should you should man up now and just get rid of that stupid law. 
to be fair, the story was published the same day Oregon Live published a reprimand to its fellow citizens, fellow Oregonians, your fear of self-service gas stations is embarrassing, so stop complaining. Okay, so they're intellectually honest. They got some good writers there. As well as a 10-step gas p- pumping guide for hapless residents illustrated with gifts. Maybe there's a grain of truth floating in that barrel of oil. There was a time when gas stations were known as service stations and pumping your own gas was not an option. A fill-up often came with an oil check and windshield cleaning, but the use of attendance began declining nationwide after the first self-service fuel pump was introduced in 1964, according to the National Association of Convenience Store Stores, an industry trade group. Gas station owners discovered the technology was cheaper than paying wages to attendance, and over time, states loosened their safety codes to allow customers to pump their own gas, except for Oregon and New Jersey. In Oregon, the current mood around the rule change seems to be a good-natured mix of defensiveness and consternation. There was a funny one this morning on Facebook someone posted, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to pump my own gas, said Shelly Snow, a spokeswoman for the Oregon Department of Transportation. I was thinking, wow, do you guys ever travel out of the state? No, why would they? Oregon's perfect. Oregon State University student. Oh, we got to get a student. I, uh, Andrew Demito, Demedio. I want to know what a 20-year-old college student says. Even if I agree with them, I don't want to know what a 20-year-old college... I don't, I don't care. Only recently pumped gas himself for the first time on a trip out of state. My boss had to teach me, Demito wrote in a message on Twitter. It still feels really weird to pump my own gas. Do you guys have an ass-wiping law? Like only residents in counties that have less than 40,000 residents can wipe their own ass? Or do you have ass-wiping attendants over there in, in Oregon as well? You think the, the vile tweets have been blown out of proportion and distract from the real news, which is that the policy shift only affects a small percentage of Oregon. No, no, that's not the real news. The real news is that you idiots are, are such uh, totalitarian nanny statists that you have you have it in your law. You can't even just say, ah, it's a stupid law, let's get rid of it. You have to chip away at it. Well, maybe it's only from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. will allow them to do that. Well, now it's only residents, and maybe maybe we're only going to allow people with who has the name of Fred. They can pump their own gas. This this ooh, 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 I don't, ooh, ooh, edging into the water. Just jump in. Come on, grow a pube, Oregon. Pump your own damn gas. Boss had to teach me. He thinks the viral tease, blah, blah, blah. the actual big story he thinks will come if the state ever widely legalizes self serve Phillips. That's where things will get crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Andrew. Things are going to get crazy when you guys pump your own gas. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm not going to do the sponsors. I, um, I just don't feel like it. And uh, I got to go get some food. So. All right, Uh, check out the blog and all that other stuff. Spread the good word. We'll see you guys later. Toodles.